everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, episode 60, Windows 7 Upgrade, for August 18th, 2011. This week we're going to uh, talk about our experiences in moving uh, almost a thousand computers from uh, Windows XP to Windows 7. We're not quite finished yet. We're actually still in the process of that. Uh, but we've got our image mostly working and deployed uh, for the most part and just are cleaning up a few things right now. So we thought we'd share some of our experiences with you in the hopes that maybe we can save you some headaches because there was nobody to save us headaches when we were going through it. Uh, but before we get started with that, Sean has some very important news for you because we all know how much our Taiwan Tech audience loves it when we talk about this particular subject. Oh, that's right. I forgot. We have actually talked about this specific phone before. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, so uh, today is the day that I came out of the 2000s and and jumped into the 2010s. So, uh, uh, yeah, I officially uh, went from uh, BlackBerry to Android today. So he's ditched the BlackBerry, and he's now gulping the Google Kool-Aid. He was already sipping it. Yeah, I, I actually made a post today and said, I just keep taking those Google pills. <laughs> he now has a Google Kool-Aid IV. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I, I'm liking it so far. I mean, it's been, you know, we've been so busy. We're uh, re-imaging computers uh, like crazy at work and uh, uh, no shortage of things to do. And then, of course, recording uh, this episode tonight. So uh, with everything going on, I haven't really had a, a whole lot of an opportunity to play around with it. But I did get the basics up. You know, I got my pod uh, catching software on there and uh, uh, what else? So oh, just some basics, you know, make sure I can post to my social streams and things like that. Uh, and but- when John says we've talked about this very phone before uh, that's because he's got my nexus one my old phone uh last week uh best buy was having a, a one day only deal get a free uh nexus s uh, if with a contact contract extension i was out of my contract had been for a while so i decided to uh renew that and get a new uh, nexus s which is the successor to the nexus one and um, as i've said uh, previously so far the nexus s is pretty much a shinier nexus one they seem to be pretty much identical phones but uh, i sold uh, my nexus one to sean for a very reasonable fee uh thus uh, getting him out of the blackberry world into the android world so, Sean, just, uh, I mean, you've had less than 12 hours with it. What are your thoughts so far? Um, I'm, I mean, I'm loving it right now. I really, I can't wait to really have some time to go and go through the uh, the app store, the marketplace, I should say. I don't want to say app store. Yeah, you could get sued for saying app store. Yeah, Steve Jobs minions will come after me. Uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, I want to go through there and, you know, find all the neat little quirky uh, apps that uh, will complement my day. Uh, so haven't had a chance to do that. The thing that's killing me right now is the keyboard. And I I think that's usually what BlackBerry users uh, complain about when they go move to Android or iPhone or any other, uh, touch interface. It takes a little while to get, uh, weaned off of the BlackBerry keyboard, which was really just, I mean, that's one of the best things about a BlackBerry. Yeah. Moving from a physical keyboard to a screen keyboard is difficult. Um, you get used to it, but it's never as good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'm learning that, you know, if I really want to be able to type and, you know, I'm, I'm not a little guy. Uh, I'm not, I'm not like you, Mark, you know, gigantic banana fingers that you've got, (laughs) but, (laughs) but, uh, you know, it's still a challenge and I'm learning that I have to turn the phone sideways to get a little bit larger keyboard to be able to type on it. Um, Still haven't downloaded that app, you know, the swipe app that you were telling me about. Swipe Um, makes all the difference because then you can type with one thumb in the portrait orientation and you don't have to use two. And and I highly recommend swipe. Uh, They're in public beta right now. If you're an Android user and haven't used it, go grab it. Um, It takes about a day to get used to its idiosyncrasies. But once you do, uh, it's really pretty awesome. Yeah, so that that's it. You know, I just I'll have to grow into it, just like any other time you get a phone. You have to, uh, you know, learn all the little uh, tips and tricks uh, on how to use it and uh, and get it customized to the way you like it. So uh, that'll be happening over the next twenty four to forty eight hours, I guess. Yeah, you'll be curled up in bed with it tonight. 
Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sean, since you're the uh, more the hardware guy here lately, the desktop guy, um, you have had more on boots on the ground experience with Windows 7. So uh, let's just run through your first impressions of the migration process so far. Well, uh, I, I want to start off, I think, just by saying we are actually being able to run with fewer images across all of our hardware sets this year. Uh, so it's kind of nice what we did and we've tried this in the past with XP and it didn't work out very well, but, uh, what I was going for is one master image and just taking that, basically taking a single hard drive, installing windows seven on it, and then pulling once I get it installed on one uh, specific hardware set, uh, drivers working, everything working right. Then pulling that hard drive out, putting it into another hardware set, uh, you know, working out any driver issues that need to be worked out. And uh, just moving it on down the line and seeing just how many hardware sets I can get to uh, work off of that one base image. Um, it's, it didn't work across the board, but it sure did work on a lot more hardware sets than XP ever did. Um, really couldn't do that with XP. So that's been the first thing that was uh, really big for us. Yeah, overall, I think uh, I can speak for Sean when I say the transition has been smoother than we expected. It has worked better than we thought it would work. Uh, most of our, uh, even some of our fog snap-ins ha have worked without modification. Uh, so we've been able to uh, to slip things in um, pretty much. Uh, and, it, and actually, some of our hardware, uh, Windows 7 works better than Windows XP with no updates or upgrades of any kind, just changing the OS. It works better. Yeah, it was, uh, that was surprising. And the, even the fog snap-ins, I mean, I assumed that I was going to have to do all of the fog snap-ins over again. And uh, it, I found out about that on accident. I deployed uh, the image and forgot that I had some snap-ins associated to one of the machines that I imaged. So the snap-ins installed, and lo and behold, they uh, at least a couple of them were working, the few that I, I tested. So uh, I may not have to go back and rebuild uh, all the snap-ins that we had. And we had a pretty extensive list, I'm going to say maybe 40 or 50 snap-ins. And I think part of that is because Microsoft has, has really gone out of their way to make backwards compatibility work. Like If you've ever browsed around in the Windows 7 file structure, you'll see this little ghosted documents and settings folder that you can't click on. But any apps that are told to install something to documents and settings are automatically redirected to the right place. And there's other places... Uh, where those standard system files in XP have been that are that are um, hard linked to the new locations, and so if something tries to install in say uh, C documents and settings all users, it's automatically redirected to C users public, um, and it just works. And so that's uh, that's a way a lot of those things I think have been able to work for us. Yeah, that uh, that makes sense, and I, I think it's probably Microsoft's attempt to you know have sort of a an application backwards compatibility. Yeah, they abandoned a, a lot of applications, but they didn't want to abandon all of them. Right, right, and uh, you know, I, I actually gave a tip to uh, the teachers in the Taiwan teacher. One of my tech tips was uh, for them to go back through all of their software and verify that it was going to work on their new setup for the new year because they don't know what their tech department has done to their computers. Um, if, uh, if somebody out there is upgrading to Windows 7, there's actually a higher possibility that that's, that same old software they used in XP is going to actually work. Uh, not a guarantee, but uh, I, I'm, I'm happily surprised that uh, uh, it's been working out that way. All right, so Sean, tell us the things that worked out of the box without having to change anything? Uh, um, without having to change anything. I, can you be more specific? Well, without any user intervention. The things that we didn't have to do, we just installed Windows 7 and they worked. Uh, for the most well, part, most of our drivers worked, right? Right, and and the big ones especially, like, uh, you know, it, it seems funny whenever you install something on an old hardware set, what, what never works, right? The things that you absolutely need, the uh, the Ethernet doesn't work, you know, so you can't you can't go and download drivers. No, you got to get tricky about it and not only track the drivers down, but figure out, a, you know, uh, do the dance to get them even on the computer. So uh, I don't recall a single instance where we had to search for, uh, Ethernet or uh, 
even audio, I don't think. Right. Uh, uh, which those are the typical ones that are missing. Desktop resolution worked just sort of automatically. I mean, even dumping uh, an, an image from a, a desktop onto a laptop or from a CRT up to a, a an LCD, those all auto-recognized what was going and worked, and, and XP has some real trouble with that. Um, there was one issue where we had a problem with the sound card. It was a Dell where actually the Windows 7 driver doesn't work but the Windows Vista driver does. So that's the right. only one that I can think of that we had to manually intervene. Um, those just those things worked pretty normally. Uh, if you are going to do this and you're in Active Directory uh, environment, there are some things you have to do to your Active Directory schema to sort of bring it up to, to speed. If you've got um, a Server 2008 server, uh, then you probably already did that when you brought that online. But in our case, we've still got uh, Server 2003 servers, and there are some things that it's not aware of. It just doesn't know. And uh, a friend of mine uh, who's a, an Active Directory wizard sent me some links on how to update the schema to make all the Active Directory stuff works, uh, and I can share that if, if somebody needs it. Uh, but uh, other than that, we had to do that sort of behind-the-scenes stuff, and other than that, things just mostly worked, um, with a few exceptions, uh, primarily centered around uh, Windows 7's enhanced security. It's so secure, it doesn't always work. Right. Well, uh, you know, it, it goes back to the good old UAC, right? And uh, we wanted to turn that UAC off. I mean, uh, there's not much, we don't really have a need for it. Um, we've got some great security and of course uh that uh, not uh, i'll call it steady state just because that's what people will know it as but uh you know if something happens to these computers we can very quickly and easily get them right back to their original state so uh, uac is just something we don't need and uh, i tried to turn that off in the default image uh but what happened when you when you turned uac all the way off uh you can't dis disable requiring control alt delete does that or no control alt delete remotely doesn't work right right remotely. it only works at the keyboard so using right, so. Uh, vnc or or italc or any of our remote tools we were unable to control alt delete so we had to bring it up one notch to give us that functionality right and that's a that's a quirk that i think uh, a lot of people might run into and it it's one of those funny ones that it, it takes you a while to figure it out. So that's why we want to make sure and mention it because you don't normally equate those two things together. But, uh, and I don't, I quite honestly don't remember how we stumbled upon it, but we finally did. And uh, I think I just happened to be messing with UAC at the same time, but yeah, we would, uh, remote into the computer and we could not get a control alt delete, which doesn't do us any good. You know, we do a lot of work where we pop into a computer and, uh, we need to control delete and log into the thing and uh, we weren't able to do it so yes one tick up from the bottom i think it has like four settings and it's the it's the next one up from the bottom if you'll set it there uh then yes the end user is going to get a, a an occasional uac pop-up but uh, you'll at least be able to uh, control alt delete and log into those machines remotely and if you set it any higher than that then things like uh scripts that run at logon don't are broken because the the end up the user end up ends up having to click a button to do something. So if you've got some uh, script for you know scanning for virus or mapping a drive or whatever you might want to do, uh, all all of us uh, Active Directory admins have something like that. Uh, those get broken at the at the second step up or the third step up. So you've got to you've got to play with that. So you can't take it all the way down, but you can't uh, have it any higher up and do that sort of stuff. And one of the things that we ran into was uh, the current stable version of italc um, does not work with Windows 7 at all. And so we were looking at having to move off of our favorite remote access tool, uh, but uh, having talked with uh, Tobias, uh, I got him to send me a, a release candidate. It's, it's now posted uh, on the italc website, the, the same version he sent me, but he sent it a little early. Um, that works with Windows 7, works pretty well, um, with a few exceptions. Uh, I'm going from memory, Sean, so uh, jump in here if I forget something. Your sure. existing keys don't work. The way it creates uh, keys um, is different. Um, so, you, so you have to recreate new keys for your new images, which is not really a big deal. Um, 
it's got the ability to tie into Active Directory and and use uh, Active Directory credentials rather than security keys, but we never could get that to work. Uh, apparently, that is still broken. Um, and and the big thing. There, there's no control alt delete and the ability to remotely log onto a computer. He took that out. He was having some trouble with it, so he just took it out until he could fix it. So probably these, the same, so the same problems we were having. Right. It's <laughs> Maybe very we likely. should give give him a call and let him know about uh, you know there's a, there's actually some sort of tie in with the the UAC. Yeah. So that feature does not exist anymore. So this is annoying, but this is what we've the workaround we're using until he gets that worked out is uh, you uh, remote into a machine using iTalk. You use the on-screen uh, keyboard, the the little button down there at the bottom left corner for um, assistive technologies. I forget what they call it, but it's uh, uh, for you know special needs, whatever. You click that, you can bring up an on-screen keyboard, and you can click Control and then Alt and then Delete, and that will do control delete and then you close the on-screen keyboard and then you work with it normally so uh, clearly that's less than ideal and the ability to uh, click a button and log into an entire lab full of computers is gone for now uh, but but toby promises he's working on that and he's going to have that out he said initially his initial timeline was that he would have it before the end of q2 2011 um, i think q2 just ended or is about to end. I don't know how quarters work, uh, but I, I think he's going <laughs> to miss that deadline. Uh, but the current release candidate does work with some caveats. So if you want to move to Windows 7 and you're still using iTalk, you can do it. Uh, things are just a little less elegant until all those bumps are worked out. Sure, and that's that's totally understandable. I mean, he's got a new OS that he's dealing with. He's uh, done some design work to the... Uh, to the interface as well. So uh, you can see that he's actually doing a lot of work on that. And I'm sure over the course of this next year, uh, we're going to get a uh, much more stable product. Oh, he's also added uh, for you Novell shops out there, Novell authentication. Uh, I We don't use that. I don't, I can't val- verify how well it works, but the option, the button was there <laughs> in the menu. Uh, so uh, you can actually use your Novell credentials to, to log on and control it. So you can say oh, this set of users can remote in and this set can't. But for now, we're going back with the old keys method. So the, the, the desktop machines have the public key only. The teacher machines have the public key and the private key. So students can't remote into another student machine, but a teacher can remote into any student machine. Absolutely. Uh, uh, so, okay, so we, we've talked about uh, stuff that's working for the most part with this. <laughs> now the big list um, of things I'm, that aren't working. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or maybe just the stuff that uh, it, you, well, uh, if you could see me right now, I have no hair. Uh, <laughs> and that's, that's mostly from last week in dealing with, uh, uh, oh, uh, default profiles. Yes. Used uh, to be so, easy to do. Now it is, well, officially hard to do. Yeah, sure. I mean, in all of my homework, even, you know, there is one Microsoft supported way to copy the default profile so that all of your logged in, your users as they log in, uh, get that profile, right? So you can customize it and give them, you you present them with the desktop that you want to present them with background and certain icons and, you know, everything that uh, you want them to see and be able to use. And uh, you're right. In XP, it was easy. You make, uh, you do your setup, you copy that setup to uh, default, and you're done. And for the most part, that worked out just fine. Uh, now uh, that doesn't work that way. And let me first start off with uh, it, Microsoft just gave me an, another reason to hate them. Uh, <laughs> They give you that there's a screen where you go in and you can manage those profiles. It's an advanced uh, uh, user management. And that's where it actually has that copy button. So you can highlight your profile and copy it and, and uh, make it your, your default. Well, you go into that screen, that button is still there. It's just so, grayed out, disabled. Right. It's grayed out. You can't click on it. You can't do anything. As a matter of fact, the only, uh, the only profile that it will work on is the default. So if you highlight the default profile, which is not customized or anything, then you can actually copy that and and paste it to another profile. But 
it, it just they left it there almost like mocking me. <laughs> I really think they were just, it felt like they were just uh, mocking me specifically. So uh, I have no love for Microsoft. Uh, anybody, everybody out there knows I'm, I'm an Apple uh, hater, but, <laughs> but that doesn't mean I'm a Microsoft lover. But he doesn't uh, so, like Linux either. So he hates everybody equally. Right. Yeah. I hate all OSs. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so, you know, I'm doing my homework and, uh, I, I come across, okay, well, there's a specific way that is the Microsoft supported way and which it is, involves yeah. the AIK, which is windows, uh, automated installation kit, which is a, like a DVD sized download. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It was like 1.8 gigs or something crazy like that. And, uh, but even then I'm reading, uh, all the forum posts and everything else. And they're saying, this is the Microsoft supported way, but even it's a little buggy. So I'm, you know, and everybody's complaining because Microsoft hasn't given us a good way to copy default profiles and customize the desktop experience and everything. And, uh, there's just no perfect fix. Uh, I beat my head against the wall for a good week on this, and then Mark came in and spent about, what, two hours, and you found something that worked? Yeah, not even that much. I was on vacation <laughs> well, for the whole week. It's like uh, the Friday before I left, I'm like, okay, here's here's what you need to get done, yada, yada, yada. And then I get back Monday a week later and say, all right, what'd you get done? And he said, nothing. <laughs> pretty much wasted a whole week and i said all right let yeah, I, I had dancing girls in the office <laughs> i'm like all right let big daddy see what he can do and uh yeah about an hour later i found the unofficial unsupported danger will robinson it may destroy you and 15 generations of your grandparents method but it worked perfectly for us well almost perfectly and yeah so that solution is you log in as the, the, like when you're setting up Windows 7, you have to give it some username. All right. It makes you do that. And that's right. the default profile as, a, as an administrator you set up a, as. You set everything up like you want it. Then you log in as another user. So the way we do it, we, say, we add it to the domain and log in as a domain admin. That folder that's called default, just delete it. Rename it if or, you're if you're yeah because you, I'm nervous about yeah. deleting so I just called it default yeah. dot old but just delete it <laughs> take the folder that you created when you set it up right click on it rename it default da da Bob's your uncle everything works so now yeah. every user that logs on gets those settings uh, with the exception of like the the things that are pinned to the taskbar and your desktop backgrounds. We haven't figured yeah. out a way to get those yet. Yeah, your your desktop background is going to be blacked out, which even under the AIK method, my understanding is it does the same thing. But uh, you can also go in and customize that through Active Directory anyways. Right. So, uh, you know, not a big deal. So uh, that's, you know, it's it's a 97% complete fix. That takes five seconds and it works. And you don't have to download the giant AIK. You don't have to run a kickstart script or, or what, I forget the, the instructions. It's ridiculous what you have to do. You have to create this XML file and then go in and manually edit the XML file in a text editor and then put it somewhere. And you don't actually use the, the program that the XML file is supposed to do. Just the presence of the XML file is good enough. No, just right click and rename and you're done. Right. Right. Yeah, and it's it's worked so far. Um, you know, I'm I'm crossing my fingers. Uh, you know, we're gonna have, uh, oh what, 800 users or whatever drop on right. us here. I may be eating my hat in a couple of weeks. Right, in a couple of weeks. So when they all log in and start actually doing things, but so far in our experience and uh, using everything. Uh, we haven't had any issues. We've run our programs. Everything seems to work fine. So uh, it's it's amazingly simple, and uh, I'm surprised I didn't see it or couldn't find it anywhere. I'm, I'm kind of curious, Mark. Where did you find that anyways? I, I don't know. I asked the Googles, and it was the right. fifth or sixth link down. I don't remember. <laughs> I didn't. I saved it. I have it somewhere, so I can you always have a go knack. back to you it. You have a knack for Googling. Uh, thank you. <laughs> And so then, once you've got that done, got all your software installed, ready to go, now you have to do, well, this is outdated information. Um, you have to run fog prep 
if you don't have the latest version of Fog, which I think is point three three, we don't we haven't installed that yet. But according to the press release, i.e. the tweet that Chuck put out, the newest version of Fog, the latest and greatest, does not require the running of Fog Prep at all. Um, but we are running uh, one version back, and so there's a, an app you download called Fog Prep. You run it. There is no interaction. You just run it. That's the last thing you have to do before you shut it down. And if for any reason you restart it, you have to run that again. It has to be the very last thing you do. But again, they say that they fixed that in this next version. And then you upload it, and that's pretty much all there is to that. I do uh, I do want to bring this up, and it's a one little kind of quirky thing. And, Mark, maybe you can explain why this is the case. Um, but... You know, we're running Windows 7, but in our fog, and for you fog users out there, um, you may want to try this out. I've already had one other school district contact me, and they ran into the same problem, did what we're doing, and it worked. Uh, You have to, when you're uploading your image, you want to set that as a, a single partition NTFS resizable, I believe, and XP instead right. of Windows 7. Now, if you if you just install... Windows, just pop the CD in, uh, the DVD in and run. It's going to create two partitions. It'll create a 100 meg um, uh, restore partition and then the rest of the partition. So if you set it up that way or if you if you uh, buy some machines that are pre-set up that way, then you have to do, you can still say single partition, but you have to check the box that says Windows 7. And then it tells it that there's actually two partitions, but to treat it like one. Now, if your Dell or HP or whatever came with a restore partition of its own, then that whole thing gets messed up. And then you can't do the single partition. You have to do the multi-partition. It's not resizable. It's slower. Um, so what I, what I always do, that my standard practice anytime I get a new machine in is I format the hard drive. Um, fully. So I take something like Puppy Linux and I go in and I use Gparted and I just wipe the whole thing. Set up a single NTFS partition. Forget the Windows 7 restore partition. Forget the manufacturer restore partition because fog is your restore. You don't need anything else. So a single NTFS partition. If you do that then, then for the, for the OS ID, you tell it it's XP. You don't tell it it's Windows 7 because you've told it it's Windows 7. It's looking for those multiple partitions. So even though it's Windows 7, you lie to it and tell it it's XP because it's a single NTFS partition. And that has been the the most bulletproof way that we've found to make that work. So you have to lie to the computer a little bit. It's okay. They don't mind. Um, and, and then it works just fine. So uh, even, you know, all your uh, previously associated images, if you're just replacing one with the other, you don't have to mess with those. You just leave them. It still says it's XP and you're fine. So that's the way that I choose to do it. Wipe everything out, put a single NTFS partition, and then tell it it's XP, and then it works fine. Yeah, and that's how it was when I was working with the other school district, and uh, you know they they keep calling uh, they keep calling me, uh, knowing that we work with Fog and have worked with Fog for quite a while, and uh, they were having a problem. Basically, yeah, anything, any Windows 7 installation they did, and they had new computers, but they were installing Windows 7, and uh, uh, they couldn't they couldn't get it to work with Fog at all, and they were trying all the different various kernels and everything else, and that's, that's what fixed it for them. I told them, hey, wait, hold on, just wipe your disk, get rid of all the partitions, install Windows 7, do it just that way, uh, set it up as a single NTFS uh, partition, and uh, Windows XP, and that solved their problem. And it's funny how often we see that happen, right, Mark? I mean, when we just tell them, stop, wipe your disk, do a clean installation, and that seems to solve so many problems. Yeah, don't even try to use the manufacturer's image because there's a bunch of junk on there you don't need. Get rid of all of that. Don't, don't, I don't even trust Microsoft to make, to format my disks for me and partition them. I want to do it myself. I do it manually. And, and, uh, Prior to Windows 7, even with Windows Vista, you had some options. You could go in there and manually choose how to partition your drive. With Windows 7, you have no options. It just says go. Uh, and so they take that power away from you. So I just don't let them do it. I use another tool. Uh, again, Puppy Linux with Gparted is my choice. But if you want, you could pull out uh, an old XP disk or an, an old DOS 
seven disc, whatever, anything that can format NTFS, um, and and do that, and and that works so far a hundred percent of the time. Oh, uh, but one little weird thing that we're noticing, it may be unique to us, it may be universal, but I'll go ahead and mention it. Every time we upload an image, just the upload, fog errors out after it's over and gives us this repeating line task not available something to that effect uh and it will look you'll think it's wrong but it's fine it updated it uploaded the image did everything right and then there's something there that it can't find but don't worry about that don't think your image doesn't work you can go ahead and take that image and deploy it down and it'll work just fine yeah and on that computer you just shut it down start it back up and it starts up as normal so Uh, just a, a, a buggy, buggy little thing. Uh, Mark, there was one other thing I wanted to touch on, and I don't recall, I don't recall the facts about how we uh, resolved that issue. But you know, uh, with Windows Seven, how uh, logging into a domain is different. You know how you um, you have to have the domain name slash the username, and uh, uh, there's that kind of weirdness. And we knew that that was going to be a problem for our end users, so we had to do something to make that sticky. Do you remember what that was? That's an Active Directory setting. It's one of those new things that gets added when you uh, update your schema, like I was mentioning earlier. Uh, and I forget, I don't have it off the top of my head, and I'm not on that network now to look at it. But uh, a little bit of Googling will find it, or just send us an email, and I'll tell you. But there's a setting now in Active Directory where you go into your default domain settings, and you tell it uh, what domain to log on to. And so... Um, now, instead of having to do uh, Bob's ISD slash and the user, it just assumes that you're on that domain, except for the administrator. If you type in the word administrator, it assumes you want the local administrator. So if you want to log in as administrator, you have to do domain slash administrator. Um, I don't know why that is, but even it will say you're logging into the domain, you type administrator, as soon as you hit tab to move to the, the uh, password field, that changes to the local machine. So uh, for some reason, you can't automatically log in as the domain administrator. Maybe they think that's a bad idea, but you can log in as yourself with administrative per, uh, per, uh, permissions just fine. Yeah, so certainly something that you want to, if you're moving to Windows 7 and uh, you're on Active Directory, you want to make sure and go in and change that setting so you don't have those problems. Um, Because if you don't do that, then you're going to hit the first day of school and all of your users are not going to be able to log in. And You know, people don't notice things like that. And they certainly, if they're not familiar with Windows 7, they have no idea about putting in a domain name and a slash and all that. So you don't want them to have to be able to do or have to do that. Yeah, and uh, another thing that was odd that uh, we've sorted out again through Active Directory uh, was the the system security center, the turning on the firewall and updates and all that sort of thing. You would set that to say firewall off or or you know, you know don't don't worry about the antivirus or whatever. Then when you added it to the domain, it would turn all that stuff back on. And then you'd change it, and then if when you moved, pulled it out of the domain to get ready to do your imaging, it would turn it all back on again. Any domain change would turn all that stuff back on. So the firewall kept getting turned back on, and then fog couldn't do its thing because the firewall was on. Uh, so we ended up finding a setting in um, the uh, Active Directory. It's similar to the place if you already have your firewall security settings, whatever, turned on. There's another new thing added to that. And again, I don't remember off the top of my head. I should have made better notes. But if you're running into that problem with the firewall being turned on and off every time you move in and out of a domain, that can be fixed via uh, local policy. You have to go in and you, and you type uh, uh, a command at the local policy. Uh, what is MSPAL dot uh, uh it's, it's msc paul g paul what is it i don't remember <laughs> something like we that, have yeah. that in the notes again somewhere. a bit of googling and that's how we figured it out yeah i forgot where it is uh, we have it in our notes somewhere and if i were weren't too lazy i'd go look but uh <laughs> you you'd run something on the local machine not on the domain um active directory but on the local machine to edit its active directory permissions and basically you tell it to turn that over to the domain and then it'll work 
And again, if you if you need to know that specifically, seriously, go to the forums at elementop.com uh, or or use the uh, contact us link on the website. Ask us these questions, and we will answer them for you as best we can. Absolutely. So I, I think that's that's about it for now, right? I mean, that's that's pretty much all the weird little quirks, I guess, that we ran across. Which really, there wasn't nearly as much as we thought there was going to be. Yeah, uh, Windows 7 is much more aggressive about um, uh, power management, shutting the machine down, putting it to sleep, uh, that uh, sort yes. of thing. Uh, and we, it's another one of those things that you change it and then it changes itself back. Uh, and we thought that was going to be a problem, but it's actually worked out to be really handy. It's a really short window. I think it's 20, maybe 30 minutes of inactivity and the machine goes to sleep. But then you use your regular wake on land stuff like through italc or through uh, what uh, fog. You send it the wake up task, whatever, and they pop right back up instantly. So um, I think that it's going to end up being a benefit in the long run. You know, uh, fog uh, has had the uh, green fog tool where you go in and shut the machines down if nobody's logged on. I think we're not going to need that as much because Windows 7 is so aggressively managing power usage yeah I, I have to say that is a really nice one and when it first started happening where it was almost a gut reaction like uh it was a behavior you didn't really want to make happen so you you didn't like that it was doing it but then we started noticing you know hey when i pop into this classroom and i want to get them all running and start doing something they're ready so much quicker they, i mean like you said it's almost immediate uh, so then we got to thinking about it. We're like, yeah, why don't we just leave that as it yeah. is? It's it's a really nice feature, actually. So overall, if you're if you're thinking of making the change, um, don't don't be afraid. Uh, we've had some little weird things, but for the most part, I think it's going to be positive. And we've had some uh, uh, teachers bring their kids in while they're working or whatever, which that's a whole different subject. Uh, we kind of wish they wouldn't do that while we've got a machine uh, partially imaged and not yet locked down and don't have security and, and they're jumping on their f Facebook games. But nonetheless, uh, those people who've come in, completely unsophisticated users, have just taken to it intuitively probably because they have it at home because windows 7 has been around for a while or windows vista um, and uh, so far just in very limited test uh, in instances the user uptake and and there's been no training necessary they just know uh, how it works and so that i was worried a little bit about that i worried if we might need to bring staff in for a couple of days this summer and train them on windows 7 but so far i don't think that's going to be an issue i think it's just going to work uh fairly smoothly of course there'll be those who don't don't get it but they're the ones who still want windows 95 back yeah absolutely so any other uh, parting thoughts on Windows 7, Sean? No, I think we pretty well covered it for now. I'm sure uh, after school starts, I'm sure we're uh, probably a month after school starts, we're going to have to have some sort of a follow-up because, like I said, when those 800 users hit those computers, uh, I, I'm sure we're bound to run into some things that we need to change or, or scramble to uh, to fix. So. Uh, but for now, everything looks good. Yeah, so uh, the thing that we were most concerned about is uh, integrating it in with our existing stuff. Fog has handled it perfectly. Windows, uh, our existing Active Directory with a few minor tweaks, have, have handled it. Um, uh, italc, we had to change it to a version, but uh, that has, has worked well. So we're going to be able to use the tools that we always used with a few minor changes. Yay. Okay. And so, having said that, I think we've droned on long enough, so I'll get on to the tips of the week. Um, and this tip uh, that I'm going to talk to you about tonight is a relatively new one. I discovered it uh, fairly recently, and when I went to it tonight to uh, um, get the link for the show, um, it's got a for sale sign on it. It says that the domain and the service is for sale, so it may, oh, no. it may be going away soon, but it's a very cool thing. It's um, called Files, F-Y-E. E-L-S, files.com. And uh, there's lots of, uh, in fact, Sean and I uh, needed something like this uh, with, the, with the podcast, uh, moving large files back and forth. Um, it's a way, it's, it's, it's kind of like Dropbox and it's kind of like you send it.com. Um, you log in or you don't log in, either way. Um, but if you choose to log in, you get a free account. Uh, it, you use your Twitter credentials and using OAuth, it uh, authorizes you that way. So if you've got a Twitter account, you can log in, create an account. You get an unlimited 
box, as many files as you want. Any single file can be up to nine gigabytes in size. Wow. So a single file can be larger than almost all the other surfaces, uh, services allow you in total. And there's unlimited uh, file sharing. Now, it is public file sharing. Completely public. If somebody knows your Twitter handle, they can know your files address, and they can go in there and look at all the stuff you've got there. So only put things that are public. Uh, but like, for example, Sean and I need to move these large Audacity files for the show back and forth. This is going to be a perfect tool for that. We don't care if you get it ahead of time. We're going to publish it anyway. So, um, sure. so uh, you, you drag it up there. It's just a simple HTML5 drag and drop. So any HTML5 browser, which is all of them now, um, you just drag the file up. It uploads, and then you get uh, a download link that you can share with somebody else or you can just point them at your you get whatever your twitter handle is dot files dot com okay so that's your thing but if you don't uh, if you choose not to log in that way you get uh somewhat anonymous space that somebody would have to guess a lot harder to find out where you are so uh, if you're worried about security a, a more secure way to do it is not to log in um but you still get uh, in that case you get just instead of a repository of all your files you just get for every file you put up there you get a link to get it back so uh, files f-y-e-l-s dot com uh, it's a really cool thing if it lasts right now it's completely free unmonetized um, and the the original developers of it have no more interest in it surely somebody else is going to buy it the question is are they going to monetize it or are they going to ruin it um, so get the out there yes and get to using it uh, while you can so that's files uh your public unlimited unlimited public file sharing drive <laughs> and sean what's our teacher tip of the week all right so let me jump in here and I'm, I'm going to apologize ahead of time because i actually gave this one out on the tightwad teacher but it's pretty cool and I, I i wanted to get it out here on this show too uh because it, it's not really even though I'm listing it as a teacher tip of the week, uh, this one can really go out there for anybody, uh, anybody who likes ambient music, that is, uh, because that's really not me. I'm not one of these uh, tree-hugging, uh, I don't know, mantra-saying people. <laughs> you won't be going to any Enya concerts anytime soon, huh? Right, right. So it's not really me, but I, I can understand, you know, if people do like this stuff. So uh, let me give you the website. It's ambient hyphen mixer.com and just just the same way it sounds ambient hyphen mixer.com and when you go to the site you can uh, basically it gives you kind of a flash interface and you can uh, you can mix your own ambient background music uh, so you can go in there and you can say oh I want tweeting birds and I want a babbling brook and I want some uh, ocean breeze or whatever and they've got all these different sounds and you can add them and then you can adjust the levels and you can come up with your own background uh, sounds and then it's got some real new agey type music tracks and things like that so something cool uh, to fall asleep to maybe right exactly or what i know a lot of teachers like to do is they like to play that kind of stuff when their kids are uh, when their students are taking tests um or you know certain times a day or even uh i know for the, the smaller children uh, I'll go into those rooms, and uh, when it's nap time, you know, the teacher will have something like that. They'll either have some uh, lullaby music or maybe some ambient stuff going uh, to help uh, get the kids uh, settled down and sleep. So um, definitely check it out. They also have uh, they have some like pre-made mixes uh, that, and, and you can also save your mixes and share them and and those kinds of things. And then you can go in and find other ones that you like and maybe just tweak them a little bit to uh, to suit your your taste so uh pretty cool pretty cool if you're into this kind of stuff so check it out ambient-mixer.com okay and so this is the part of the show where i tell you how you can get in contact with us not only tell you how but beg you to please get in contact with us <laughs> uh, i haven't said it in a while but uh as i often have said in the past this is your show we just work for you so we need to know how we're doing so go to our website at elementop.com. That's element like periodic table of elements and op like op Taylor, O-P-I-E. So elementop.com. Uh, we've got forums there for each of our shows. Um, and uh, Sean, I'll let you talk about our newest show just real quick. 
since uh, well, it hits literally close to home for you. Uh, yes, it is. And uh, uh, it, it's got a couple of my brothers actually in it, and they're the sports nuts of the family. So uh, we went ahead and got them involved in their own show. Uh, the show is called The Hot Route. And uh, it's basically uh, revolves around the NFL. And uh, it's funny, we were developing this show or getting ready to uh, record our first episodes and everything. And what's going on? NFL lockout, right? <laughs> so uh, we're, you know, talking about, gosh, what are we going to do if, if they don't uh, unlock the lockout? And uh, luckily that didn't happen. And when they were uh, recording their first show, it was just, I think, a day or two after the lockout uh, had uh, uh, ceased so uh, we knew there was going to be a season and they had plenty to talk about and these guys uh i gotta say they're they're funny they're entertaining and they're knowledgeable all at the same time so i listen to them talking and i'm just thinking how do you have the time for all of this <laughs> because i love football you know i absolutely love football but i just don't have time to get into all the stats and you know uh, what adrian peterson eats for lunch and you know all this kind of stuff you know so, somebody uh, may say about us that we we have a ridiculous knowledge about this sort of stuff too but this is our day job right this is what we're paid to do and right. we also do it on the off time these guys have day jobs and are experts in football stats and all this sort of stuff yeah, absolutely. So I don't know how they do it. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that they're there to do it because, uh, Mark, you know, we, we like to do a, a very low key fantasy football league every year and we have a lot of fun with that. But you're right. We're the kind of guys that don't have time to do all that research. So, uh, I'm actually going to be a, a listener of the show every week because, uh, you know, at least I'll get some sort of insight into uh, maybe what I should be doing with my picks every week. And, uh, this, this, that should really turn the tide and make this the year that uh, I finally surpass you in the league. The the year of, of Sean's domination? Right. <laughs> well, good luck with that. I hope it works out for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I will say, uh, as I was going to, uh, the I've, we've done two shows so far of this, uh, as of the airing uh, recording of this, and in the editing process, I have laughed out loud both times, just listening to snippets of it. These guys are goofy um, and knowledgeable, and that's an interesting combination because you get good information delivered in an entertaining way. So anyway, that's enough about that show. It's one of our, our now five shows that we have over at elementopi.com. We have forums for each one of those, so you can uh, meet people from each of those shows uh, and uh, intermingle with them. Uh, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash elementop, and there's lists there for uh, the hosts of each show. So you can follow any one of us or all of us if you want. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. There's uh, facebook.com slash Tech and facebook.com slash elementop. Uh, right now uh, we're focusing on the elementop one, but the Facebook, uh, the uh, Tightwad Tech one is there, and, and we will uh, respond to, you know, whatever there. Uh, or as uh, as we've done in the past, if you want to, um, uh, leave us a voicemail via Google Voice that we'll play on the show. Um, you can do that on our website. Just click the Call Us Now button and uh, enter your phone number and Google will call you. Or if you prefer to do it the old-fashioned way, uh, the number is 530-FRUGAL-2. And uh, we've been a while without a listener spotlight. I think we're going on about five or six weeks now since we had one of those. And yes. uh, we need some listeners to step up and say, hey, I want to do the next listener spotlight. We've tried to do those uh, monthly, but uh, we've sort of fallen down. And, and we've, we don't ask people if they'll do it. We wait for you to come to us because we don't want to, you know, uh, put you out or twist your arm. So uh, uh, consider this your arm twisting. If you have any interest at all in being on the show, let us know through one of those methods, through the forum, through the contact us form through email which is uh podcast at elementop.com or uh through a voicemail let us know uh that you want to be uh on the show and we will uh be happy to have you and so far everybody who's done it has said they've had a good time and uh nobody has uh, been made dead at all you know, you know mark uh what i love about those is you know, we uh, certainly are the tightwad techs, right? I mean, we, we have these, uh, you know, all of our little tips and tricks that we use on our network. But I love getting on the listener spotlights because, you know, there's different networks out there, different sets of circumstances and, uh, you know, different things that people have to do uh, to work within their, you know, their own unique tight budget. 
And uh, so I love hearing from those people because uh, they're inevitably going to be doing something different than we are. And, uh, and we learn as much from them as they probably learn from us. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's something that we always enjoy. Uh, and uh, so get in contact, even if you don't want to be on the show, if you just got an idea or something clever that you're doing, you want us to, uh, to let us know about the forums are the great place for doing that. And so we look forward for, for hard, hard. We really do. <laughs> we look forward to hearing from you as these shows are recorded later at night. My speech, uh, patterns devolve. Uh, <laughs> right. And it's a Monday to boot. Right. It's a, it's a long, long day, uh, and a long night. So. Sean, unless you have anything else, I guess. Uh, we can... Well, I did actually. Just one other thing: if you do end up uh, calling that number, uh, leaving us a voicemail, since we do have all the shows now, uh, you might want to indicate which show you're leaving ah, the voicemail yes. for. Good idea. Uh, yeah, uh, I think the last one we got was uh, nondescript, and we were like, uh, "Which show is that for?" <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, I, I, it's even worse. I uh, played a tip on a show. That was for another show, and they had to go back and cut that out. Oops, sorry, that wasn't that wasn't for the right show. So yeah, right up front saying yeah, say what show you're leaving it for. That would be helpful. Absolutely. So uh, now I guess I can jump in here and say uh, another great show. I hope it was. <laughs> At least for the people who are getting ready to do a Windows 7 upgrade. There you go. Yeah, it's this is heavy geek stuff. Uh, teachers probably didn't get anything out of this, except maybe to have a finer appreciation for what your geeks uh, have been doing for you while you were uh, sunning yourself in Cancun all summer. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, that, that's where all the teachers go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so now that I've insulted half our listeners, maybe now's a good time to say this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off. <laughs>